Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode contains scenes which are not suitable for children and which some listeners may find distressing. This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. I'll get a level. You tell me who you are. Now, yeah. <laughs> uh, my name's Joe O'Callaghan. People probably know me as Joey O'Callaghan. I remember the drive, like, and it just went on for it definitely went on for two and a half, about two hours, I'd say. And we're all in the back of this little, in the back of this car. The whole family in the back of the car, my man, in the front, you know what I mean? Boxes all over us and all. It was just took forever. And then we pull up, and it was absolutely gorgeous, like lovely house, everything. But it was just there. Uh... <sighs> yeah, that was it. That's when it all began. I thought I had a bad life then, but that's when it all began, yeah. He moved to Blanchestown. They still know the address. I could go there and sleep. But I wish it never happened. This is where I, this is where I grew up. Like, when we moved from Ballymun, this is where we moved to. So you turn right and turn left. And then I'll bring you to my mouth house. Pulling left into the, in the cul cold effect. Mm-hmm. Kenny used to pick me up here. Drive right down and just stop the car here. That was our house there, look. The second house either. Oh, yeah, without the car, without the. No car in the garden. Yeah. So, what happened was uh, that's where I was, look. In the garden, and uh, that's where I was. So, that was the front door. That was my bedroom, see, over the door. Mm-hmm. And that was the sitting room. And I was actually in the sitting room. I think I was playing, playing the computer at the time. And the doorbell went. And when I opened the doorbell, just where we're parked here, there was a there was a van, a milk flow. And when I opened the doorbell, he was just standing there. And that's when I said, uh, who are you? And he said, uh, I'm the milkman. This is the witness. In his own words. Episode 1 The Milkman I was going to ask you what's your what's your earliest memory 
Um, my earliest memory probably would be living living in the four stories in Slough Avenue in Ballymore. I don't remember much earlier than that. Um, I know my mum and dad had the house up in Poppingy, but I don't remember living there. I just remember living with my ma and my sisters in the flats in Slough Avenue. It was very cramped. Everyone kind of lived on top of each other, but everyone knew each other. It was rough. The flats stank. There was writing all over the walls, piss all over the landings, shit. Junkies everywhere. I don't know, we used to, back then people used to call it the Bronx. My man and dad obviously separated a couple of months after I was born. Um, they had quite a volatile relationship. My dad was very violent towards my ma, so... I think by the time I came around, I think my ma was about 28. I think she kind of finally had enough of the beatings and the drink and the abuse. After my ma and dad separated, my ma went from being with my dad into another relationship. She met a local man and within a couple of months, the same thing that was happening with my dad was happening with him. He was beating my ma, he was beating me, he was beating my sisters. And it was awful, like, because I lived in the flat and I could see it. Well, I never seen my dad hit my ma. And to see somebody you don't know, like some stranger in the house coming and beating me ma and beating me sisters was hard. I remember being a kid, like, trying to grab his leg and trying to get him to stop, like. So anything I could do to get away from the flat to get to me dad was... Because that was my safe haven. That was where that was where me and the girls could go to to get away from me ma's partner beating us and beating me ma and to drinking. And I looked up to him, like, like he was me world that I'd lived. I felt safe when I was with me dad. My dad was a big, he was a big rawhead, he hated drugs, he was anti-drugs. He would have a lot of men around the house, he would have a lot of blokes coming out and drinking. He would have meetings. Like my dad spray someone's name on the shop one day and the next day they'd be evicted from the house. And that would just be because him and his associates would, they'd find out they were selling heroin or selling, well heroin was the big thing back then and it was a big epidemic. It was needles everywhere. There was our neighbours were on it. I can't say any of my family were on it because they weren't. But that was because of fear of me dad. And then I think it put fear in him seeing other kids like that, and he didn't want us to end up like that. When you were a kid, you know, what was your understanding of what was wrong with these people or what was going on with well, them? My used to say they were sick. My used to always say they were sick. My dad was completely different. My dad was like, they're fucking scumbags, they're junkies, and you stay away from them. Any of them ever come near you, come and tell me. Well, I used to always feel bad on them, and I, but I was scared of them as well. They were like skeletons. Like, you, you come up and down the stairs, and there'd be people shooting up in their arms, shooting up in their feet, and shooting up in their groin, and shooting up in their neck. And this would be all day, every day. Um, people having sex on the stairs. And you have to remember, when you used to come into the blocks back then, because of the stairways, and it was scary, there was an underneath the stairs. And then if the lights didn't work, you coming in there at night time and you just see foot moving, bodies moving, grunting noises. And they were just everywhere. And they were like aliens going up and down the flats and begging for money, robbing you. Like they'd rob us as kids. We used to play football and you'd put your jackets down to make calls. you turn around and your coat would be gone. Your mum would run up the street with your coat. And then you'd see the dealers coming, and there'd be so many flats, and then you'd see, the, you'd see a fella coming up on a bike or a car pull up, and it was just like 20, 30, 40, 50 junkies coming out of all the blocks, running to one guy. 
and then everyone getting their drugs, and then they all just disperse into the distance. And then I'm fighting, fighting between themselves over drugs and slashing each other and stabbing each other. And half of them couldn't even fight over that over, falling over walls and breaking into the houses in the local area. It was just shocking, like it was just everywhere. It was just drugs, drugs, drugs. But back then, Ballymun sucked the life out of people. And the drugs in Ballymun sucked the life out of people. Where there's loads of good people that come from Ballymun. But also drink, drugs, alcohol, physical, mental, and sexual abuse, kind of. That's all that was involved in that area. And I just think every second family suffered from one or the other. I mean, one thing that I was, I guess I hadn't really realised about uh, Ballymun before, it's just like how many kids there were. Yeah, there's loads of us. But to have so many people your own age around, like, did that make it like a fun place to grow up? Yeah, we had the playground, the front of the flassy. There was a big playground and there was a hill and we used to camp out and there was, all the kids played out the front. We all played football and... Oh, he hide no see, kick the can. The flats were good, like in the summers and all they were good. Everyone was really close, like and you couldn't you couldn't do that. Like if you done that and that was bad, my mad no, like as soon as she got home work, like she'd know like I never really got into trouble much in Ballymun. It was only when we moved to Blanchestown I got into trouble. Mom and Noel, when they were kids, they actually they grew up on the same road. He um, went to school with my mum's brother. He came from good stock, good family as well. They hadn't seen each other in years, and I think they met actually on a night out. My mum and Noel met on a night out, and obviously whatever happened, they, they started dating, and she she didn't want to force this relationship on us this time. Where the one after me, dad, she kind of just forced it upon us, but this time I think my mum was kind of like, no, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm not going to just introduce anyone to my kids. I'm not going to push them through that again. I'm not going to have them hit again. I'm not going to have myself hit. So I think she was kind of learning then. The older my mum was getting, she was like, she was slowing down a bit. Not that she wasn't happy to meet Noel, but she just didn't want to just throw him on top of us, like, force him on us. Um, which I think worked, and I think everyone met him gradually, and we met him bit by bit, and he was just absolutely amazed. Like, lovely gentleman. Like, there's not a bad thing you could say about him. My change, there was a complete shift in her. She was happier. She enjoyed going to work. She stopped going to the pub all the time. She was in on, in the flat all the time. She was cooking dinners. She was checking, bringing us to school, picking us up. And the girls were happier. Natalie was happier. Life just changed. Um, Christmases were getting better. Birthdays were better. We're getting new clothes. Ma was able to afford more things. Everything was just more positive and I, I, they were happy times I remember like besides the good times with me dad I had, they were the best memories I have of my childhood. And then um then the, then they just turned around and just well in my words, they just turned around and just fuck it all up then. Everything's going grand, and then they sit us down, call us all like a family meeting in the flat. I thought, I don't know what it was, I thought it was a dog or something, we were getting a surprise or something. And then my man Noel turned and says, uh, I'm moving to Blanchestown tomorrow. And I was like, what? I'm not moving to Blanchestown. And I'm looking at Noel, I'm like, I barely even know you, like, you're only here five minutes, and you're 
moved me to Blanchard's home. But yeah, I just didn't want to go. My heart was broken, because Ballymo was all I knew. I know bad things happened. Yes, I was abused. Yes, I seen my mum got beaten. Yes, I know we had an awful life. But there was good things as well. And that's all I'd ever known. And to go be taken away. I think it was more to be taken away from my dad than Ballymoon. Because I, I kind of understood he wanted to have a better life. But I didn't want to leave my dad. And I knew there was once I left Ballymoon that I'd, it'd never be the same. Because I spent so much time with him. Every weekend I was with him. Every summer for the whole summer. Like three months with me dad. Didn't have to go home. So broke my heart and then I just hated Noel. I was just like, I don't want nothing got to do with him. Like <laughs> only he just turned up and he did a ruin and everything, like he did bring me to Blanchard's now. Like you you started a new school and you had to leave friends behind and new friends to be made and stuff. And like did you find that easy to do or no, was that I difficult? Very difficult, yeah. I was just it was very, very difficult. Left school, left everything I know, like all my friends, like Ballymore was like a big family, everyone in the blocks, everyone knew each other, like everyone done everything together at Ballymore. It was a real close knit community, like. Blanchard Town wasn't like that. Yeah, it was a complete difference. This was real, like you didn't, you didn't know your next door neighbour. You didn't know the kid across the street, you didn't know the kid down the street. And then obviously leaving the school, I was losing all my friends. And everyone kept saying, oh, it's only an hour and a half bus you want in my mouth. I'll give you the money to go back and forward. But after a month or so, the novelty wore it off. I knew my dad wasn't going to come and see me. My dad said he would, but I knew there was no way he was going to come to Blanchetown to see me. So I used to get the bus out to him, like, but uh, even after a while, it just got too much, like. Yeah, the neighbours, everything was just different, like. It was just so quiet, there was never anything to do. I was bored. There was nothing to do. And it was, it was all fields back then, Blanchardstown. This was only a new estate, but there, was very, there wasn't many new estates. And there was just fields everywhere. The centre wasn't there. Blanchardstown centre wasn't there. Nothing like that was there. So there was nothing to do. And I was just sitting on the wall all the time. And all I wanted was just to go back to Ballymore. There was just nothing to do. I went to school. joined the new school. It was just... Didn't know anybody. Couldn't make friends. Natalie was with me, she started joining the same school. I was worried about Natalie. Had to look after her because obviously I was her older brother. I had none of the other brothers there. I had no friends. Natalie, she settled in real quick. She made love with the friends. She was cool. I was just getting into trouble. No, I just didn't get on with anybody. People slagged me from being from Ballymore. It was really difficult. Um, was there sort of a discrimination kind of thing against people from Ballymore? Was there a yeah. sense of...? Yeah, you get a lot of stick. Over the drugs, they'd be like, they'd be like, oh, your family's scumbags, and but, yeah, yeah, it's just it was, it was because you were different. I don't know. They just gave me an awful time because I was different. Because I was from Ballymore, everyone smack heads out there. You want to watch him? He'll rob you from Ballymore. Now all this stuff, like, yeah, I spent half my time sitting outside the principal's office for fighting, like, because. I was just getting into trouble all the time because they were just getting the stick, like. And I tried to stay away from my life, but I kept getting bullied and bullied all the time. And, uh, stopped eventually. But, <laughs> yeah, stopped eventually, but I had to get into a lot of trouble for it. Natalie was after getting a, a walkman. And Natalie was in a different yard from me in the school, where we played up in the school. And, uh, I see somebody, somebody came and said, your sister's crying or something. So I went around the yard and 
She crying. She's like, walk, man. She did this fella that's been take, trying to take it off. And I'd been getting abuse all day. I had the, that day uh, from, from, from being up from Ballymore. And I go over around the corner with the walkman. And I look, the was around the corner. I said, which, like, where is he? And Natalie says, he's over there. And yeah, so I said, which one? She said, him. The man turned around and he was six foot tall. But I, I was too late then. I'd already walked towards him and he was coming towards me. And I had the walkman in the hand. So I smashed it into his face a few times. I said, do you want to walk, man? I said, I'll give it to you now. So I kept some down, and I'm smashing the thing off, off his head. Then I'm t- the next minute I hear someone shouting, and I run, and it's the caretaker, and he runs after me, and he couldn't catch me. And I'm getting down to the back gate of the school, and he picked up a stone, he hit me in the back of the, in the back with the stone, he threw the stone at me. It's actually the caretaker from the school. He didn't like me either. And uh, so I got, that was happening then. I got caught for attacking the fella with the walk, man. So they suspended me, I think, for two weeks. And I wasn't, so then I wasn't allowed back out to the yard ever. So what would happen on the yard time is they would send me home. Because I lived so close to the school, they would send me home for me break. No other student was allowed. But because I kept getting into trouble, they'd send me home for me break. So I'd go home and Neve walked in the shop, which was right before, within the middle of the school and the house. So I'd come out of the gate, Neve would walk there, and then the house was there. So Neve would make me lunch or whatever, I thought I'm mad, make lunch, go to work. Sitting in the house having the lunch. I'm sure I was waiting to go back to school, or I was suspended one or the other. But I think it was one of the days I was just waiting to go back to school. And then the doorbell went. And I go to the front door, and I open the door. And there he is, he's just standing there. And that was it. That was the first time I met him. He says, what's the story, young fella? What are you doing? Why aren't you on school? What are you doing here? I was Brian Kenny, yeah. The milkman. And oh, he was just there. He was standing at the door and then within two minutes he was in the kitchen. And then it was just me and him. I'll never... I'll never understand how quick it happened. I'll never understand how we got through the front door, through the hall, through the sitting room, through the dining room, into the kitchen. And then it was just me and him standing in the kitchen. When when he showed up, what what was he wearing? What, what did he look like? I'll never forget him. He was wearing jeans, blue jeans, black shoes with a heel, short, he always dressed weird. And a, and a white jacket, and his hair was all, he hadn't got hair. That's, he had like a little bit of black hair, and he used to have them like gelled back, no pushed back. Like, it's hard to, like a quiff backwards, like something out of grease. But he hadn't got it, he hadn't got hair, so I don't know why he probably better off shaving him, but that's hair like that. But yeah, so he always looked weird, he always dressed weird. It just didn't, it didn't match. He was wearing a pair of suit shoes with a pair of jeans. He just looked backwards, like. Then he had a bum bag on. And then he had all the holes in his face. Big nose. He had all the egg to the water and potholes. I don't know what they're called in your face. That's, yeah, he just, he was just real, he, he was real hyper, like. Just, he was real forceful, he was real, 
he was just a charmer, like he was real charmer, like he was real, like, like I liked him straight away, like I thought he was sound, like, don't get me wrong, I looked at him and he did look weird, like he dressed weird straight away, I thought like, Jesus Christ, but he was real nice, like, he sound like. He told me he was the milkman and that he was there looking to see that my ma wanted to become a customer, buy milk off him. The way our house was, you could see right out into the main road, you could see through the dining room, so you could see the truck parked inside the house. But the guy was on the back of it. He was just asking me, like, who did I live with? And I said, my sister walked over the road in the shop and my ma walked in the hospital, which she did at the time. And, um, I said, can I have a job? And he said, he said, what age are you? I, said, I think I was 11 or 12 at the time. And I told him. And I said, if you don't believe me, I can show you my, my birth card. Somebody started laughing. And he said, can you run faster? I said, I can run faster than any of them out there. And then... Um, <clears throat> he says, yeah, I'll, I'll see you on Friday. Pick you up on Friday. He told me the time, I think it was around six, half six. And yeah, that, that was it then. Tell your mother that I called and I'll uh, see you on Friday. And I was, that was it, I was delighted, absolutely thrilled. Couldn't believe it, I was having a job like. I thought it was the best thing that ever happened. I couldn't wait till my mother to come home and I told her that I got a job in the milk room. She started with meth and she said, How would you get a job in the milk room? I said, The man was here, she was like, What man? I said, the milkman was here. She was like, what do you mean the milkman was here? I said, yeah, he's had to be in here. He's only, he's only had to go. And like, he was in the kitchen. She was like, what do you mean there was a man in the kitchen? She was, like, she was, she was fuming. Like, what did you let someone in the house for? How do you know he was a milkman? Do you know what I mean? I said, he had the bottles in the back of his truck and all. I was just so naive. Like, I just was like, yeah, come on in. Like, so I was delighted with life. And Ma just thought I was crazy. She was, She thought it was just something that I was... She thought, nah, this doesn't really happen. My ma was having none of it. She was like, yes, yeah, spending from school and you think I'm going to let you go out on a milk truck, like, uh, like getting money, like, you know, you're, you're, not, you're, like, you're not behaving in school. And then I was like, oh, well, I only done it because I was Natalie, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, like, I was, like, I was only standing up for my sister, like, so. Anyways, I convinced ma, I was like, ma, please, I'll be good in school, but just let me do it. And she could see I wasn't happy in school and I hadn't got many friends. And like I said, man, I'm going to earn my own money. Like, I'll be able to buy my own thing. I won't have to keep asking you for stuff all the time. So she heard and I spoke about it. And then I mean, called me into the kitchen. And my mom said, well, I'm going to have to sit, talk to this, like, talk to this fella. Like, I said, yeah, well, let me do the job. Like, let me go on Friday and then I'll tell him to come in. And me, yes, I'll meet you. Like, so her and I said, um, won't, you, won't you behave in school? And your man comes in and sees us. You can, you can go. And that was it. Then I couldn't wait. And then Friday came. I remember waiting at the window. I waited for ages. I think he told me he was coming about half five. I think I was sitting by the window at three o'clock. So I was really excited. To be fair, I waited until I heard him come to the corner, and I heard all the bottles rattling in the back of the truck, and there was all the other boys on the back of it, and then. There was a woman with a blonde hair, big red lipstick with a fag hanging out of her mouth. And uh, him sitting there with the same thing, dressed up in all that funny gear, funny shoes. And I jumped, just ran, jumped up, 
couldn't barely get in the back of the truck, dived in the back of the truck. You have to remember how small I am. I was tiny, like. And um, all the other boys were there, so the lads, and just got introduced. I can't, like, I made friends and all straight away. And that was it, we were off. We took, took us off to Porterstown, took the posh estates. Like where we lived with the new estate, but they were the posh, posh estates. These were the big gates, where in the Mercedes and three or four cars in the garden, and big, big houses. Like it was like a different world for me. Like I'd never seen them before. So like when I went there, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like and then the fourth, my first day, like one of the youngers on the truck, he was giving me the heads up on what was the story, and he told me like this is what you have to do and. What's what? He told me who he was. He said people think it's his wife, but it's not. It's his girlfriend. And uh, he says, Tommy, just tell me how it works. He says, be fast. If you get your tips, you get tips. Keep it in your separate pocket. Learn to learn to do the calculations yourself, so you can bring the right change with you. You get the hang of it real quick. So we went to Portstown. So when we got there, he said, uh, Joey, you go and read. So I get off the truck and me and Rita go and walking around the posh estates. So what exactly was the job? Like, what were you doing? Collecting. I, basically, I was literally, Brian goes out, was going out at night time delivering the milk with a lad called Jesse. I never met Jesse because he was the night time delivery. He'd done deliveries with Brian. So he'd deliver the milk and me and Rita would go and collect the money then every Friday and Saturday. So we were collecting the milk money, wherever was all the bill. Like. So that's literally what we were doing. We are going door to door with a slip knocking on the door saying, here's your, here's your bill, you owe us, whatever. So what would happen was, is Brian would go with the unfulness. He'd do all the, the rough estates and we'd go and do the posh estates. And that's when I met her properly then, I met Rita properly. She was she was pregnant. She had a bum bag on. Every two minutes, the smoke hanging out of her mouth. Red lipstick, that was the makeup. Long blonde hair. She was nice. She was a lovely woman, yeah. And we just started walking together. I remember the first night going collecting the money with Rita, just the two of us, when we came back. He says to her, how did my boy do? And she said, uh, he done brilliant. She said, he was great. Ran so fast, that's how he finished so early. So the first night went brilliant, everything went great. Was so happy, came home. Brian came to the door, introduced himself to me. Ma told her that I had done really well. Paid me, I think, I think I got 10 pounds. But then whatever, I hadn't tipped, I remember going in and me and like my ma obviously introduced herself to Brian. Brian introduced herself to my ma. He said, where are you from? It's the usual, just the, the basics, like. And just he just explained, yeah, he's just helping out Friday, Saturday. And she said, well, as long as he, as long as he's behaved in skill, otherwise there'll be a stop put to it. And then he looked at me and says, you know what? He says to me, make sure you behave, otherwise I can't keep you on. And uh, I remember going into the kitchen then and just emptying my pockets on the table. There was just change everywhere. And then I was like, right, I split it all up and I, I said, Ma, that's for you and this is mine, this is mine. And she was like, what, that's yours. I was like, no, but I'm actually going to walk. Like, and it's just my ma that was giving me everything. So like, I said, like, it'll help pay the bills. Like, like, you get your hair done, I'll get something done. But she wouldn't take it. She was like, no, that's yours now. Like, like you have to walk them for it, so... It was coming up to the summer holidays. But 
Brian just told me that I have a job after coming up at the night time doing deliveries that I want to do with him. And then it, then it, then it just changed. He was different. He was he'd say things and yeah, he'd just say things that would make me uncomfortable. And we were delivering it up in um, Huntstown. The other milkman, he had a high eight van and he was going past it in a high eight van. He was coming down the road and there was this young fella hanging out of the side of the van. And I'd never, um, I'd never seen him before. And the next minute, Brian stopped the van. And um, Brian just lost it. His face just went red. All he could hear was screams. Screaming, 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 shouting. I'd never hear that like in my life. I was, he just, sorry, he could smack, smack. You could hear the bones and all. You could hear everything just crunching and smacking. That's when I realised that I got more than a, I got more than a bargain for. What Brian can hear? Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. 